Welcome to the Forward Healing Project. This is a weekly podcast where we acknowledge the challenges and grief experienced with infertility and miscarriage. Through honest and real talk, we will share stories, explore emotions, and seek healing by reclaiming, redefining, and renewing what it means to heal a hopeful heart. Welcome to the Forward Healing Project podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Allen. I'm humbled and honored to be a part of your journey and grateful that you're a part of mine. If you're not already following me on Instagram, I'm at Forward Healing Project and also Healing Hopeful Hearts. The Forward Healing Project is also on Twitter, and you can listen to past episodes on any podcast platform you subscribe with. And of course, any shares and ratings are always appreciated. People ask me all the time if it's hard emotionally to do this podcast, if it's painful to rehash my story and share the hurtful parts. Honestly, 99% of the time, the answer is no. This is not painful for me to do. It's healing. It's rewarding. It's a gift. But as with most things, there's no absolute. 1% of the time, it's really hard. And this is one of those times... There's a great Childless Not By Choice blog called Not So Mommy. And the woman that runs the site, Brandy Lytle, she uses the term, the wobbles. I love this term. The wobbles are when you emotionally trip up, when something just slams you broadside and you crumble. In the height of my infertility, I live daily navigating the wobbles. As I've grown and healed and moved, transformed to a place of healing and acceptance, the wobbles come few and far between. And for that, I'm grateful. However, there are still times when I hear a pregnancy announcement and I get the wobbles. Usually it's when I hear about somebody that got pregnant without trying, somebody that didn't struggle, someone it came easy for. They can still give me the wobbles. People that fought hard and have a few scars, most people I celebrate without pause. But those that don't, it's a kick in the gut still. I slip into the why them and not me spiral. And I can go to that place that I knew and know so well. Will you cry so hard you're blinded to what you need to see? And you cry so loud you're deaf to what you need to hear? I recently went back to that place, figuratively and literally, though thankfully, momentarily. It's not every single person that can rock me, like, emotionally. It's just the ones that I know. Strangers, when I see them, that doesn't bother me anymore. The people I know still hit me hard. I think with strangers, I can distance myself, obviously, because they're strangers. But with people I know, people I want to show up with, show up for, I struggle still. I think it's because they're a part of my life, and I not only need to, but I want to walk with them. But it's hard as I watch them build what I desired. It's the ultimate lesson in humility, I suppose. And it also really sucks. I've had that happen twice to me recently. I was shocked at how I slipped back into that place of despair. Doubt, probably a little depression. I slipped into questioning my worth, my place, and my purpose. I pulled away from God for a short period of time, but I pulled hard in that short period. I felt the isolation, the sadness, the guilt. As once again the odd man out, or rather woman, out. I again lost a layer of inclusion. It hurt. Hurt like hell. So I slapped on the fake smile and forced some canned replies so no one would know. 
I spent several days in a state where I felt like I was watching myself from the outside in because I knew this darkness. I knew where I was and I indulged in the pain for a bit, but I had to be able to pull out of it. It still hurts. Acceptance doesn't mean painless. But thankfully, I've done years of working towards peace and acceptance, so I knew what was happening and I was able to pull myself out of that spiral. But it took some healing tools to pull out of that place. That's why it's so important to work constantly towards forward healing, regardless of where you are in your story, regardless of how much it hurts, because you never know when the wobbles are going to strike. And if you have the tools and awareness, you can pull yourself out again, or rather you can get to a place where you can let God pull you out. One of the ways that I found through these moments is to just cry it out but you also have to surrender completely and that can bring a different kind of tears now if you're in a place of pain confusion and doubt on this journey i'm going to guess you are no stranger to tears they're probably a weekly if not daily occurrence and ones that fall and the ones that you fight back are most likely all too familiar to you I should be dehydrated for the rest of my life based on the amount of tears I've cried on this journey. Yet I've learned there are different types of tears. There's tears of jealousy, tears of anger, tears of frustration and loss, tears of happiness, tears of compassion, tears of injustice. And there's a seemingly endless list of reasons we cry. Tears are fascinating to me, mainly because most of my life I wasn't a crier. I shared a few episodes ago that I cried all night on a silent retreat. I told my mother about that experience and she said, sounds like you had tears of consolation. I'd never heard this before. When I first came back to the church, I cried at some point during every single mass I went to. I hated it. I was embarrassed. I didn't want people to see me. But the tears came and after, I always felt cleansed. I felt lighter. I felt peace. This was different than the tears I shed in the shower, the tears that fell in the car on the way home from a baby shower, or the tears that racked my body each month when I saw one line, not two. The tears that fell when I was in church were healing tears. They were tears of consolation. It was like I could feel God in those tears. It came to be a signal for me that I was in his presence. Tears God gave me because it was when I went to him in his house to say, I can't do this anymore. I'm about to burst with pain. God, you need to take this cross off my shoulders. Honestly, most of the time, I never even said those things or prayed those things. I just showed up. He knew. And the tears came. And the peace came. And the wisdom came. And the relief came. I didn't know what they were then, but I know what they are now. And those tears are different than the ones that fall in anger and envy and sadness. As I continued to turn back to the church and turn back to God, the tears came less and less. I came to miss them because I had become addicted to the relief those tears of consolation gave me. It felt like I experienced another loss as those tears began to stop. I felt like God was saying, you're fine, I need to go help other people. I no longer cried in mass and I no longer felt the consolation. But in hindsight, I think it was because I was given the gift and grace of community and purpose to carry me through. He wasn't saying he was leaving me. He was saying, I hear you. Let go. I got this. Recently, 
very recently. Those tears came back to me when I was suffering again, spiraling again, doubting again. First, the tears were out of sadness and frustration, envy and doubt. Those tears didn't feel good. They felt weak. They felt shameful. They made me feel like a monster because I couldn't show up for my friends in a time of celebration. Those tears seeped into old scars and burned like salt on a fresh wound. I again pulled out of my habit of prayer. I was hurt, licking my wounds. And then I went to adoration. At the cathedral here in Lexington, we're blessed to have a 24-hour perpetual adoration chapel. You can go there 24 hours a day. It's a beautiful place for prayer. Normally, it's a scheduled adorer that's there, but due to COVID, the Eucharist is in a special vessel that can be closed easily because there's not always someone there. I mention this because I was graced with an extremely rare hour where I was the only person in the chapel. I went to clear my head, to just have some quiet. That was all. I didn't go for answers or to argue my case. I just went, knelt down, ready to pray and be, and then the tears came. I wept. I sobbed. I was alone with Jesus and I had a shoulder shaking, ugly cry. I had cried several times leading up to this, but this, this was different. This was me dropping to my knees and handing my pain and confusion over to God. I had no words. I had no negotiation points, no agenda or expectation. I just surrendered and he responded. He cleansed that pain and confusion with those beautiful, healing, grace-filled tears I had missed so much. St. John Paul II said that it's better to cry than to be angry because anger hurts others while tears flow silently through the soul to cleanse the heart. I wasn't angry when I went there, but I was hurt. And I knew that that place of hurt, I was going to hurt someone else. And God knew I needed those tears. I was reminded of all the past tears of consolation I experienced, and I realized, or perhaps was revealed, of a few things. One, I was reminded that tears matter. Our tears mean something. We shouldn't fight them or hide them. They are a release. This grief, this pain, builds inside of us on this journey. Every wobble, every careless comment, every comparison and doubt builds, and at some point it needs to be released. I remember when I was a kid, we had cast iron radiators all through the house for heat. And I remember my mom having to take a key to bleed the radiators to release the pressure. We're like those cast iron radiators. We're strong on the outside, but inside we build pressure. And if we do not have the key to release that pressure, we will burst. Surrender is the key and God is the key turner. I was reminded that pain and fear, doubt and envy are normal emotions and I was not a monster, but I did need to surrender those emotions. We have to enter into the pain. We have to feel the feels so that we can release them. And that laying down needs to be at the foot of the cross. The consolation comes in the surrender. Otherwise, it's just a chaos of pain. Our lives become a feral playground of negative emotions that would only wound us more while we're denying and ignoring them. If we do not surrender the pain, we will drown in it. It will suffocate us and we will burst. And that burst will probably hurt the people around us. It was also revealed to me that the pain and suffering we feel can only be consoled 
truly healed when we tie that pain and suffering directly back to our faith. Christ suffered for us, as did Our Lady. I think about the tears Mary must have shed through her life. Her fear when she said yes to God to bring Jesus into the world. I can only imagine she cried with a mix of awe and utter terror at the honor and immense responsibility. Her fear fleeing to Egypt with a newborn that was being hunted. Her fear when she lost Jesus as he stayed behind in the temple. Her agony watching her son beaten and mocked and then carrying his own cross upon which he would die. How many tears left her eyes when he said, dying on the cross, behold your son, and handed her over to John, and then handed all of us over to her. How much weight that must have added to her already compounded grief. Did her shoulders shake at hearing Jesus say, forgive them? Forgive them? How could she, a mere mortal, find it in her heart, marred with grief, the understanding of his plea to God to forgive them, and then go on to love us? How she must have let out a guttural cry as he died and was stabbed just to make sure he was dead, then watching his limp, broken body taken down and laid on the ground and ultimately into a tomb. She must have cried when the apostles in the upper room, fearing for their lives while mourning the loss of her only son. I cannot fathom her pain. I cannot begin to imagine how she must have wept, but I can imagine, just by a small fraction, how much consolation God must have given her in those moments. Had that consolation healed her heart and soul, which had been pierced with a sword? Had that pain, balmed by consolation, gave her the grace, faith, wisdom, and strength to be the mother of all souls? She is Our Lady of Sorrows and Our Lady of Consolation. She tied her every triumph and every sorrow to God. She oriented her entire being every experience of her life to God for him to use and work through her. And he wants the same for us. I have no doubt that she wept. She ached. She feared. But she was consoled because she surrendered that pain, fear, and doubt. She didn't tell God what to do. She just let go. God gives us the same grace. We, unfortunately, rarely, if ever, have the faith that Mary had And so we fight the surrender, but when we do surrender, even for a moment, we're also given that consolation. Just like we can feed fear and anger, envy and doubt, we can feed trust, surrender, and healing. I think it's important to stress that yes, crying and feeling is important for healing, but true consolation comes when we are handing over everything to God. Those tears feel different. Margaret Silf, author of Inner Compass, an Invitation to Ignatian Spirituality, wrote in her book that spiritual consolation is experienced when our hearts are drawn toward God, even if this happens in circumstances that the world would regard as negative. It is a signal that our hearts, at least for that moment, are beating in harmony with the heart of God. Consolation is the experience of this deep connectedness to God, and it fills our being with a sense of peace and joy. The epicenter of the experience lies in God and not in ourselves. When we cry tears of anger, fear, doubt, hurt, we're sucking inward. We're looking in at our wounded hearts. When we cry tears of surrender, we're looking 
towards God. Father Randy Rauch, SJ, wrote an article called The Gift of Tears, and he says, When we encounter God in prayer, and in a manner that somehow brings the reality of the situation powerfully into focus, our spontaneous feelings might sometimes become manifest in tears. The Ignatian suggestion is to let our tears flow if and when they arise, but to reflect and ponder on the issue that has touched us so deeply rather than on the tears themselves. That's been my experience. Those tears bring powerful, bring things powerfully into focus. And it's hard, even when I'm with God, to sit with those feelings. But you have to. The only way to find forward healing through those tears is by feeling it. We fight that, especially when walking with infertility and miscarriage, because the wounds are too deep. They're too raw. They're too painful. They're filled with heartache and cause us to fear our own voice because we become too afraid to speak or share and fear that we will drown in our own tears. So in those moments, we say nothing while suffocating inside, even in prayer. We are at a loss because it's too painful, too unjust, too confusing. So we lock down and hold tight. But in the moment of surrender, there are no words. You don't have to speak. He knows. You don't have to explain or bargain or beg. You just have to let go. But the tears, those moments of anger, envy, doubt, I know them all too well. And I was happy to put those days behind me. I suppose I was naive to think I would never experience that again. But I did. I wobbled. I broke. I shut down and withdrew. And I doubt anyone noticed. I've become very good at hiding it over the years, but... When I took it to God and just laid it down, real healing tears came. St. Ignatius and St. Teresa of Avila write about the gift of tears, and they mention being so moved by prayer that one weeps and finds spiritual consolation through the tears. I don't think I've experienced this quite as they wrote, but maybe I have. Whether in deep prayer of love and adoration to God, or complete brokenness, complete surrender, it's times when we just let go. And that let go can be in the form of love and praise, and it can be in the form of total collapse and grief and surrender. It's the same, really. Total trust. One is glorifying and praising, and one is giving themselves back to God out of sheer agony, trying to do, trying to do this alone. But I guess that's also a form of glorifying Him. When we turn to Him, we trust Him and we let go. And isn't that what God wants for us to do, to return to him? I think this is important to note. So often on this journey, our pleas are for what we want and desire. There's nothing wrong with that. But as C.S. Lewis wrote in A Grief Observed, that if you're approaching him not as the goal, but as a road, not as the end, but the means, you're really not approaching him at all. You have to remember this. You have to approach him for him and surrender. Pope Francis said, certain realities in life are only seen through the eyes that are cleansed through our tears. Let us learn how to weep. I love that. Learn how to weep. But maybe it sounds odd. Those of us that have suffered this loss, the loss of a dream, the loss of a family, the loss of a child, we are expert weepers. But I think what Francis means is to weep well. 
And to weep well, we must do so by releasing our anger, our resentment, our indignation, and sorrow. And to do that, we have to give God the space to bleed out the pressure. Give him permission to turn the key and release all that is about to make you burst. Weep well. Weep to him and with him, without agenda, without expectation. Just get out of his way and let him carry you. Now, history has shown me that this is not a one-time fix-all. Because as soon as I leave that chapel, as soon as I get up off my knees and walk back into the world, the pressure will begin to build again. Years ago, it was at max capacity, critical levels, daily. But as I healed and found acceptance, it's taken longer and longer for that pressure to build. I learned this recently. I didn't even realize that I had pressure building, but I did. We all do. So we must return to him, let him release the pressure, and allow ourselves to weep well. We're going to stumble on this path. And when we do, we will be tempted to flee to the place we know best. And that place is often fear and doubt, envy and anger. It's going to feel safe because we know it really well. But that is not a safe place. Those tears will not console you. You have to make your way back to God in those moments so that you can be consoled in a way where you are open to receiving his consolation and in a way that will let you grow and heal from it. Wobbles be damned. I hope this episode brings you some forward healing. I pray for each of you, for your peace of heart, for your intentions. I pray for your hope, happiness, and healing. If you need to cry, cry, and learn to do it well, kneeling at the foot of the cross so that you can surrender and let God console you. Join me next week as we continue to seek ways to find forward healing. Our Lady of Sorrows, Our Lady of Consolation, pray for us.